Welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast. We're really excited to have you. Emily and I college rodeo together, actually. You went to school in Weatherford, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and college rodeo was sure a good time. It was. I miss it. It seems like forever ago, though, if we're being totally honest. Yeah, and it's getting to where it was. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, I don't know. It's just... Um... Man, those were some of the best memories. I thoroughly enjoyed rodeoing in the Central Plains region. I mean, it was just kind of one big family. It was. And I coached last year in the uh, region in northwest uh, Colorado, Idaho, and Utah. And the culture there was so different. It was still a great region, but just a whole different feel. The region was smaller. Uh, the kids were, the. I guess it's probably because the rodeos didn't last as long. So the kids weren't nearly as rambunctious, to put it nicely. <laughs> so. I know, I used to always joke with people. I was like, I think college rodeo in our area was just an excuse for a bunch of people to get together and party that had a common interest in horses. I think so. And how we still performed well sometimes, I'm not really sure. <laughs> I don't know either. But. It was a lot of fun, though. Some of the best memories. <laughs> it was, definitely. And you have made it to your second NFR this year. Yes, ma'am. Congratulations. Yep. That's awesome. Thank you. It's, we're really excited about it and really thankful that you even have an NFR um, yeah. to go to, you know, considering everything that's happened this year. Yeah. How has this year been different than the last year's? You know, there's just a lot of different hoops and obstacles that we've had to overcome. Um, you know, it, uh, it just, yeah, I mean, I felt like after the finals last year, I finally kind of had a game plan. I knew where my horses were good at, you know, and and everything, and so I was like, all right, to set them up for success, like, I'm going to go to these rodeos, and then I'll, you know, make sure that they're at home resting during this time, and blah, 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 and so I actually, um, from October 1st to the first part of June, um, I had only been to eight total rodeos, because um, wow. I had this, yeah, great plan that I was going to go to Canada, because um, I had done really well at Calgary and Pinoca um, in 2019, and Calgary had been good to me, but the other time I got to go in 2017, so I was like, nope, I'll be, I'll be set up. I'm just going to wait for Canada, and I've got a really great place to stay up there and some good friends, and so I thought I can go rodeo, and, um, you know, my, my mare Foxy, I would love to get her to the Canadian finals, so I had this master plan in my head, and then COVID happened, and here I am. I'm not in the top 15 when they start canceling all these rodeos. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, the border gets shut down, so we are definitely not rodeoing in Canada. And I have no idea what, like, I literally had no idea what to do. Because, you know, they just, most of the rodeos that I felt like I could win at, you know, I had a, a really good showing at one rodeo Austin last year. You know, and it was one of the, the last ones we thought we were going to maybe get to go to that ended up getting canceled as well. You know, and so, mm -hmm. like, right there, I mean, that was, like, $60,000 of my earnings. You know, yeah. from 2019 in Pinoca, Calgary, and Austin, that just went out the window. Yeah, um, you know wow. that I was kind of banking on. Yeah, and so it um, definitely like you had a plan A, and then that one got changed to plan B. And by the time we got to the end of the year, I think I was pretty much on plan Z. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because yeah. yeah, every you know you you would enter rodeos. Um, you know, like Fort Madison, Iowa, I was banking on that rodeo that week, too, and, like, three days before 
um, it was due to start. They ended up having to call it off. You know, that was a heartbreaker. I mean, it just. Yeah. Uh, and you know, so late in this a, season, I think a lot of people were really banking on that one. It was kind of one of the last yeah. bigger money rodeos that you could go to, wasn't it? Yes, it was. There were, there were some other rodeos um, that we could have went to, like out in um, Idaho that, you know, were a couple thousand added um, and whatnot. But I was like, oh, I'd rather, you know, go to, to Fort Madison where it's, you know, like 11,000 in added money and and get yeah. one really good run in and not have to, to make as many runs or travel as many miles. So that's, that's usually my strategy. Um, but, but this year, you know, with the limited options and rodeos, we pretty well had to enter absolutely everything um, that the books would allow us to enter. Yeah. And um, then after you got your draws, figured out what you could go to because, um, you know, that, that was another thing too. Uh, you know, it was so the competition was so concentrated. You know, yes. usually like over Cowboy Christmas, you'd have, um, you know, girls rodeoing up, you know, kind of uh, in the Dakotas or, you know, the Wyoming-Utah route or the Arizona route or, mm-hmm. you know, there's still good rodeos um, in Kansas, Oklahoma, and Texas or, you know, Canada. I mean, there's there's a, a whole abundance of places that you can go um, but typically, but, you know, this year there wasn't. There was like 10 rodeos for us to choose from, you know, so the the girls were just, you know, in every event was this way, but I mean, it was just stacked, yeah. you know, it just, uh, your draw really played a role too, you know, if you were 12 on the ground and whatnot and had to try to outrun people, you know, that were top of the ground in a purse, like it probably just wasn't going to happen. And I finally got to the point that if I didn't have a good draw, I'd just turn it out and roll, roll to the next one. It, it was just kind of a wasted run, um, on my horse. And so it, you know, and that's not usual. I mean, most of the time you can, usually you can throw down and, and pull a check doing that, but but not this year. It was just too too stiff a competition and a lot of entries everywhere. So, you know, which is great for the committees that were able to step up and have rodeos and stuff. So it was it was definitely different in it. Um, you know, I think we had to be really able to, like, um, adjust our game plan and be flexible um, and open to different ideas because it, it was constantly changing. Yeah, it seemed like, I mean, I just amateur rodeoed this year, and even in that, you know, you just, you you start a plan, and then, bam, it's gone. Like, there's no way to prepare for anything. It's just flying by the seat of your pants, and it looked like <laughs> last year you went to 90 rodeos, so you really yeah. put in your time last year so that your plan this year would work <laughs> and be easier. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and it... And I, I always end up with a, typically I end up with a fairly high rodeo count just because, you know, I've got several horses to run and I'm seasoning, uh, you know, a younger horse out and, and whatnot. And so, like, last year I, I figured it up. Uh, like, Chongo, he actually really only went to, like, 33 or 34 rodeos. And he was the horse that qualified me for the finals. But, you know, between my other horses and stuff, I was able to go to a bunch of um, little rodeos on them and, and, like, our Prairie Circuit rodeos, you know, in Kansas, I mean, a lot, well, a lot of those um, rodeos, like, I high school rodeoed in the same arenas, and they yeah. have smaller circuit rodeos and stuff, and so that's where I typically take, like, a younger horse or whatnot um, and go go get them some rodeo runs, so that way, like, this year, you know, he was ready to go whenever I needed him and, and whatnot, but, yeah, there was um, definitely a shortage <laughs> yes. of options, you know, that that's what was, I mean... Um, I was trying to think, I know in 2017, uh, I was, I was thinking I was in the upper eighties, low nineties on a, on a rodeo count. And then 2018, I didn't get to as many, 
Um, last year I had 81, and then this year I think I had like 44. <laughs> yeah. And I thought I really rodeoed this year. It's funny so how much it changes. We we're putting on. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's a crazy time right now, but at least they're making the best of it, and they still do get to have an NFR as of right now. At least fingers are crossed that it stays that way. Right. <laughs> what are you doing to prepare for Arlington this year? Well, I, I mean, to be totally honest, this morning I've we've been just chit chatting the top fifteen, um, you know, trying trying to discuss some different options and things that we want to see happen and whatnot um you know because it is totally different and we're all rookies this year you know nobody has your experience at Arlington not the Um, people not the horses not the staff (laughs) nobody yeah right and it's not like we can go look at videos and be like okay like this is gonna suit this horse or you know I need to prepare my horse accordingly because this is how this looks like we really have no idea yeah um and so that's been a little bit tricky I mean it, it is literally like going back to your rookie year and trying to think about you know how you know just you try to be as strategic as you can but um you know one thing I I guess I learned like you know being an all-around cowgirl prior you know like I'd take notes on all the calves and stuff and all the goats mm-hmm. and whatnot but you know high school rodeos and college rodeos and about the time that you feel like you know you're like all right this goat's gonna go left he's gonna kick or this calf's really gonna break hard and run they do something different. Yes. <laughs> you know, and you may in the back of your head be able to plan and say, hey, you know, I think this is what's going to happen, but you need to be adaptable. Um, keep an open mind and know that even though you may prepare, you know, for this, something could happen differently. Um, and so that's, that's the biggest thing um, I've tried to keep in mind. And also I, I remember, too, it is the same for all 15 of us. You know, it's um, it is a whole new ball game, mm-hmm. <laughs> pun intended, <laughs> for us. <laughs> um, you know, so yeah, the playing field uh, is level, very level yeah, this year. Yeah, it is. It is. So that's that. That's reassuring too. That you know, we're we're all we're we're all in this together. You know, and so it'll it'll be good. And we're so grateful to to be you know have the opportunity to compete. Yes. Yeah. Well, we wish you the best of luck. It's going to be. Um, an interesting year for the spectators too. I know that there's all kinds of people who are going and tickets are high as of right now. And it's, it's just going to be an interesting and memorable experience for everybody involved. So I'm, I'm excited to see how it all plays out because usually I go as a vendor, uh, to the NFR for the performance pony company. And this year I've decided to sit out, but I'm really excited to see how it does work for the vendors. And I wish them the best of luck too. Yeah, absolutely, and it, it is neat that they're at least able to even do that, you know, and everything that's going on, I know it's, it's kind of tricky, and and even as contestants, um, most of our sponsors have pretty well, you know, uh, decided not to have any autograph signings, just because, like, even in Vegas, I mean, you know, you see a lot of people, you come in contact with a lot of people, and whatnot in a day, um, yeah. typically out there, and so, you know, they, they, they don't want us to have, you know, that kind of exposure and whatnot, and so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're going to do more like talk shows and stuff, where people can still, you know, see and hear our stories and interact, you know, in yeah. that fashion, but it just won't be quite as, quite as hands-on, um, you know, and that, that's a great way to, you know, to, to be able to adjust you know, with all the given circumstances 2020 has brought our way. Yeah, well, and I think, you know, for those people who don't get to go this year or can't go or 
for whatever reason, I think the talk shows and stuff are a really good way for them to still be involved and still get to be a part of the experience. So, you know, I think there's a lot of positives and pros that are going to come out of this experience. And I think we'll see things different in Vegas next year, uh, just in how they approach. You know, I think it'll probably go back pretty much to how it was, but maybe do more talk shows and things like that where um, the contestants actually get more exposure to the, the fans. Um, than yeah. just in autograph signings, which of course autograph signings will always have their value, but um, it'll just be interesting. But, you know, I mean, yeah, like I, I always feel bad because I, you know, I mean, I get to spend about thirty seconds with people, mm-hmm. you know, at at most, um, typically, you know, and it just, I mean, you'd, you'd love to catch up, but you know, you look back and you see the people standing in line that have, you know, been waiting and stuff, and you gotta, you gotta keep the line going and stuff, you know, and so I. I always, you know, it, it tugs at my heart. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, was like, I wish I could clone myself and spend more time and, and do more of that. But, um, you know, in the same sense, too, like, we're still there for a job. And, and like, even if, you know, if I get done with signing, like, there was a couple times last last year, I was like, I don't think I'd ate for, like, two days. Yeah, I'm you sure. Know? I was so tired. And all I've been doing was drinking coffee, trying to stay up and, you know, get from place to place and, you know, take care of my horses and make sure practice you know I was there for practice and and part of that you know was due to the fact I had such a great start to the NFR so I was at South Point you know two of the four first night you know yeah. nights of the of the finals and yeah so you were rocking it girl <laughs> yeah it was, it was I mean no complaints I will be tired any day to get that, yes. that kind of a trip again but it did you know it did start my NFR off you know pretty fatigued um, yes it just because like I, I didn't get a lot of rest and I was going pretty hard and then um, I did get some really good advice. You know, Amy Wilson's a great friend of mine, and and she asked me. She said, "Hey, she's like, how booked up are you on signings?" And I, you know, it's kind of telling her my schedule, and she's like, "You, you need to kind of set a limit there." Because she said, "When you," she goes, "When you go out there and you do good," I was like, "Oh yeah, whatever, you know, like, yeah. that's gonna happen." She's like, "No, no, but when you go out there and do good," she said, "They will be calling you, and they'll they'll want you to come on and do." You know, and that, that seemed to be, like, more of, like, the interview stuff. Like, CBS Sports had me on, and the Cowboy Channel had me on. And, you know, you get to do in a lot of different shows. Yeah, um, you it know, just right? adds you, up. You yeah, it does. So then you, know, you thought you were going to have, like, two or three extra hours that day to maybe go to the hotel and shower <laughs> and get a nap in. And you don't. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it is kind of crazy on the contestants end of things. Like, I always... I was like, oh, yeah, whatever, you know, I know they're busy, but, you know, it can't be that bad. No, it's it's pretty chaotic. It's a great chaotic, but it is chaotic. Yeah, well, and the Vegas Strip isn't that long. Like, I think it's only, like, four miles. But from getting from one end to the next at different parts of the day can take 45 minutes. So that extra time Absolutely. is... Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I can't imagine being a contestant. I mean, being a vendor and uh, having a couple booths out there is hard enough to navigate from one end to the other, let alone if you are having to do as much as the contestants are asked to. Yeah, and that, honestly, I and I, I'm so glad you brought that up about just the travel time in Vegas, because that is my biggest fear in Dallas and Arlington area. Oh, I didn't even think traffic. about that. Yeah, there's so no, much traffic down there. There is, and we're so spread out um you know that it I mean it it really is like with I don't know there's a lot of stuff going on at Fort Worth at the stockyards and the convention center at Fort Worth and then you know the of course Globe Life field there in Arlington where the rodeo is being held and Mm -hmm. um you know and then we have the question where do we keep our horses (laughs) they don't have that figured out yet 
No, they're oh, still boy. working on that. And so they, they kind of have an idea, but then they had, or they had a plan and it fell through. And also there's limited area. So um, like even in Vegas, you're only allowed one stall. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have more than one horse, you can get on a waiting list, but you're not guaranteed to get another stall. And so typically, you know, like where most of us bring two to three horses easy, um, you know, that's not really an option for the barrel racers. And so most of us end up forfeiting our stalls and we stay somewhere else. And so like right now, you know, I've, I've got a couple places I can go, but it's, um, you know, 60 miles out. Well, you think about by the time you bring your horse in for practice, you know, and usually our practices are every other day, which we don't have a practice schedule yet. Um, but I'm like, by the time, you know, say you get done running barrels at 10 o'clock that night and you get, you know, 60 miles through Dallas and, or Fort Worth or whatever, whichever direction you want to go, um, you know, that's midnight by the time you get your horse set up. And then if you got to be back for five thirty, six o'clock practice, you're really only home for about three hours. And you're putting them back on the trailer, back up to practice. You're done with practice, wow. and you hit rush hour for morning work. And yes. kudos by the time to that'll you, happen, <laughs> Yeah, and you got to get back to the stadium by four or five o'clock. You know, your horse has spent seven or eight hours just on the trailer that day. Yeah, and, and so, not just highway with um, miles yeah. either. That's stop and go and turning and yeah, exactly. And so that that has been my biggest concern, honestly, is trying to figure out how I can find somewhere for them to be comfortable um, and not put so many miles on them. Well, the bright side is that Texans do love horses and they love rodeo. And so hopefully you would think that either somebody or some facility or some arena of some sort will step up and facilitate uh, those stalls and and a place for you guys to be close. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think that they will figure something out for us, hopefully. But, you know, and I'm fortunate, too. Like, I kind of have a plan. Um, you know, I plan to primarily ride uh, my bay horse, Bo, and my gray horse, Chongo. Mm-hmm. And so my thoughts were, is, you know, if I could ride Bo for two or three rounds and then send him out to the facility that's 60 miles out of town, you know, where he could get really good rest for a couple days and bring Chongo in and, you know, swap them back and forth to where they can still get adequate rest you know, away from, you know, because city lights and busyness, I, I always feel like that kind of affects them, um, you oh, know, if yeah. they're not in, a, like, an enclosed barn, you know, just the noise and stuff. So I want to want to make sure they get the rest they need. So, you know, I'm hoping to, that's kind of my, my game plan right now is to be able to do that with them, and, and that way they can stay fresh um, and also, you know, get the rest they need and not have so many miles on the trailer back and forth. So, that's kind of my plan. We'll see if I can actually implement it or not. But, um, you know, we're, we're learning more every day about, you know, what's expected and what's to come. So it's just kind of, you know, the next five and a half weeks will be really busy trying to make the best plan we can. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that it sounds like you're doing a really good job of trying to stay organized and figure everything out. So I have no doubt that you, and I know you have a good support system that can help you too. So I'm sure you'll get along just fine. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's go back to how did you get started in all of this rodeo stuff? Did it start as a little girl or when did it, when did it become something you wanted to do? So, I mean, I always loved animals. Um, it's, you know, when I, I think I was about five and mom, she said I used to have four little Nawas, uh, that I would carry around in my, my, yeah, and, and a Simba, one Simba. 
<laughs> oh, okay. I love okay. the Lion King. Yes. yes. Yep. And, uh, and yeah, I always, she said I would like set them up uh, on the bathtub and I had this little pink purse and I would just take them everywhere with me. I love the Lion King. And uh, then my babysitter, um, Jana Waycamp, which is now Jana Turner, um, she had horses and her little sister, Kristen, also um, rodeoed as well. And so Kristen, Kristen was kind of, she wasn't as um, in love with the horse industry as Jana was. So they ended up, uh, they helped me find my very first horse. And then they, I ended up buying, or my parents bought Kristen's barrel horse for me when I was probably about eight. Um, and so I started running barrels about that time, but I did a lot of 4-H horse showing, um, you know, all that, that sort of thing. But I was the only one in my family that uh, had any interest in the horses. And so my parents were pretty, you know, lenient. Or, you know, I mean, they, they really leaned on, you know, Jana's, you know, her family for guidance. And we, you know, went to a lot of, um, like I had a horse show trainer that I went to in Great Bend and they gave me riding lessons and stuff. Um, and just, I mean, they did everything they could to help uh, get me to the people who were more knowledgeable yeah. on everything, and and told me that you know if if you wanna if you wanna do this, like you need to be really dedicated, and this is an expensive hobby and and whatnot. And so um, I wasn't, but I think I was nine when they got me my checking account opened, and I had to pay my entry fees for rodeos and stuff. Um, you know, and if I didn't win enough to pay my entry fees at the next weekend. Uh, you know, I had to stay home and do chores and, you know, um, whatnot to, to earn enough cash to where I could pay my entry fees oh, that's <laughs> to go cool. to the next rodeo. Yeah. And I mean, it, it probably was, wasn't it cool was at the time, but looking back, I'm sure. Right. <laughs> it, like, looking back, I'm so, exactly, I'm so thankful that they, they did that because, you know, it is, you, you do see a lot of kids that don't understand, like, how much your parents sacrificed to get you to the junior rodeos and to, to feed your horses and to take your horses to the vet and the fuel to get you, you know, back and forth, the vehicles, the yeah. horse trailer. Like, there's so much expense and all of that. And you see a lot of kids that are just kind of there for fun, hanging out with their friends. And that's what my parents are like, look, we don't know anything about this, but if you just want to hang out with kids your age, like, we'll happily take you to the park or do something, you know, the zoo, you can do that kind of stuff. But if you want to do this with horses, and do it, you know, this is expensive. You're going to do it right, and you're going to work really hard and be good at this. Yeah. You know, and be successful. You know, if this is a passion of yours, we're doing it all out. And so, anyway, and and they, um, you know, when I got to high school, uh, kind of the same thing. You know, my dad, he's like, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, he said, I'll gift you the horses that we've bought for you. But he said, from here on out, you've got to make it work. And he was like, you know, as you get older, these horses that you need are going to be, you know, you're going to need younger and faster and more expensive horses. And so you can't keep them all. You're not going to be able to have a retirement village out here. And, and um, so if you want to, you want to move up in the world and and have something more competitive, you're going to have to learn to sell the horses that you really care about. And so that was, that was a good lesson too, though, because, you know, I was able to let go of some horses that, um, you know, were really instrumental in, you know, my youth, like, rodeo career and in that time frame. And they were able to go on and help other kids, mm-hmm. you know. But it's, it's hard. There's nothing in the world, I think, as hard as, you know, uh, loading your horse up in somebody else's trailer and telling them bye. Yeah. You know, and so I always try to make sure it was a really good home and stuff. But it, you know, th- those were great lessons. Like, my, my parents may not have been rodeo people, but they taught me so many valuable things that I think have helped me be um, very well-rounded 
as well, far as like yeah. making decisions in this industry. Yeah, and I think, you know, you are so humble and through all the success, I mean, you were, I didn't know you in high school, but you were successful in college and since then you've been successful and there's never been a time where I've ever heard anybody say anything bad about you or, uh, and you know, there's always naysayers out there, but you've always just been so kind, but your parents instilled those values in you of hard work and you appreciate what you have and what you've accomplished and because you've had to work for it and it shows. And I think that, you know, it's, it's a great thing for, for rodeo kids and families and for the people who are listening who, you know, aren't rodeo parents, you know, I think it's good for them to hear your story and see how far you've come with the lessons that you had in parents that weren't involved in it. Well, thanks. No, I, I appreciate it. And I am like, you know, we said, it's, I mean, my parents are incredible. They, they are such good people and are so supportive and, um, you know, they, they understand what hard work is and, you know, and that you, you know, you support each other and encourage one another, but also like at the end of the day, like you cannot replace like that kind of dedication. Um, you know, and, and you can't, you, I mean, you can encourage it, but you can't instill it. And so that's what, you know, they were, they were big on it where, you know, they're not going to waste their time. Um, you know, if this was just a phase. Right. Uh, you know, they wanted to make sure it was something that I, I really was dedicated about and, and very passionate about, but even, even in that sense, though, you know, moving on to like college, um, you know, my, my parents were very adamant that I get a great degree because, you know, dad goes, what happens when your horse gets hurt? Mm -hmm. You know, he said, you cannot make a living barrel racing if you're relying on that animal and something bad happens. Cause I, I did have a lot of loss, you know, I had lost three horses in like a three, two and a half, three year time frame of just random accidents and they were 18 horses you know it wasn't yeah. like I, I I lost something that wasn't a main main string for me it was always one that was really really important and um anyway and, and he was you know dad was just very adamant that he's like you get an education you do something else because you know just remember like you you love horses and you enjoy this but you're not always guaranteed to make a living doing that and that's part of you know, I'd always loved, um, <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, but I'd always loved going to the dentist and I yeah. spent a lot of time at the dentist as a kid. And, you know, I just, I, I guess maybe it was because, um, we had such a great fam family dentist that was so caring, but, you know, I talked to them and, you know, and he, he retired probably, uh, about my sophomore year of high school. Um, but then, you know, the dentist that ended up taking it over was another phenomenal human being. And, you know, I told him kind of what I wanted to do with my life, you know, and that I wanted to be able to run barrels, but I didn't want to have to rely on that as my income solely and whatnot. And I said, you know, I really think I want to be a dentist. And he said, well, have you thought about being a hygienist? And I was like, I, you know, not really. And he said, why don't you think about being a hygienist? He's like, the career option is, you know, it's very flexible. You don't have, a, there's never an emergency dental cleaning ever. Yeah. Yeah. You're never on call <laughs> at night. You never have to work weekends. Like, it's a typical Monday through Friday job, 8 to 5. You know, there's a lot of flexibility. There's great benefits. Um, it's a good paying job. You know, there's yeah. a lot of options there. And, and so since I, you know, was that was another passion of mine, I um, was able to pursue that and get a degree in, you know, dental hygiene. And I worked full-time for a couple of years. And then as I got, you know, little better horses and, um, a little more experience in the pro rodeo industry and stuff, I was able to back off and just do part-time and, and um, you know, rodeo a little bit more and, and see see that 
mm-hmm. career option a little bit, you know, further. And, you know, here we are today. I mean, now I just do fill-in work as a hygienist, and I'm rodeoing, you know, pretty much full-time. Yeah. And so it's, you know, it's kind of crazy. I mean, I, you know, I, I always encourage people that if you have a passion, you can make it happen. Like, don't ever let anybody set a limit on you because, um, you know, I was able to rodeo through hygiene school. You know, I don't, it was a lot of work. Don't get me wrong, but it's definitely paid off. And, you know, now I get to pursue my dream and I still have that option there is a great career. You know, it's, yeah. it's always there. People, There's something people to fall back on. Point. Yeah, exactly. I really encourage kids to go to school or a trade school even. Just have some other skill besides. Even if you're the best person with the rope in the world, if you break your arm and it doesn't heal right, you're done. And yep. having just something that you can fall back on, that you're that you're confident, I think that allows, I think as we pursue our dreams, if we have that safety net of knowing, like I have rodeokids.com on the Performance Pony Company. If for whatever reason this was not going to work out, I can train horses or I have a four-year college degree that I can go get a nine-to-five job if I need to. Like there's always that yeah. safety net that had I not gone to school and I just decided to to train horses or just do these companies, then yeah, it might be kind of a cool resume, but if I still don't have that piece of paper, like it does make a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you would have never met me. So. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes. In That's college. Rodeo, college is, yes. Yeah. You meet so many people and you make so many connections. You do. You know, high school that, too. It, yeah. And it, I, I tell you, I mean, I, I wish we could have made it last longer. It is literally the best time of your life. And it, I know it's so hard to think about it when you're trying to study for those finals and you're like, this is terrible. <laughs> like senioritis is, you know, really setting in and it's only my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's totally worth it. And it goes by so fast. Like I just, gosh, I, and I was in college six years. You know, I, I went to Garden City for my first two, which was just at home. I, I lived at home my first two years of college because I had 13 horses. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, and I could not take 13 horses with me to school, so it took me no. a couple of years to weed them down, yeah. um, but then I went to school at Southwestern, and I, I went ahead and just got a regular bachelor's degree um, from Southwestern before I went on to go get my dental hygiene uh, degree, and so it, you know, and I did, I lived it up all six years. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> That's good. Well, in high school yeah. rodeo, too, I have a, you know, parents come on a regular basis and through the pony stuff and through rodeokids.com as it grows, you know, well, why would I, why would I want my kids to high school rodeo? They can't win any money, but the experience, like you cannot mm-hmm. replace the experience and even college rodeo, you don't probably ever hardly win enough to really cover your fees if you include the fuel and all of the all of the things that go into it um yeah but it's it is the experience it's the connections it's the networking the the memories and the education that you're not going to get if you don't do it absolutely and it's you know uh I never really thought of it like this until afterwards that you know that's what um somebody told me they said you know it's only four years of your life like you only get the opportunity to high school rodeo for four years of your whole life. Yeah. You know, you might as well take advantage of those four years because you don't get a do-over. You don't get a second chance. If you skip out on a year, like, you don't get to go back to that. You know, it's four four amazing years that go by so fast. And mm-hmm. the same thing, you know, with college, college rodeo and whatnot. Um, you know, I mean, it's 
you don't get that opportunity again. And so I always, you know, really encourage people to, to seize the moment and enjoy, enjoy it and, and uh, you know, take advantage of that opportunity because, you know, there, there are a lot of great um, attributes and, and benefits that come, you know, come from it besides just being able to pursue your passion too in rodeo while you're in school. Yeah, and for a large majority of people, and I know this doesn't this doesn't go for everybody, but most of us have our parents that kind of help us through when we're struggling in those years. So <laughs> it's yep. uh, take yep. advantage of that while you can because it doesn't last Absolutely. forever. Absolutely. Yes, <laughs> yep, and that's that one does thing. Not last forever. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing that I sometimes worry about um, with the what's happening in in the industry with all the opportunities for youth which I think are great but I don't know how many parents are out there that are actually doing like what your parents did that said you know you can go but you have to you have to pay your way or at least pay part of it your entry fees and and I just Mm -hmm. hope that with all of the big opportunities that are happening for kids these days that they're still learning those values so that when they do get out of out of school, whether it's high school or college, and they enter the real world, and mom and dad pull the checkbook and say, "Get your own," that they can't do it because they don't know how. And you know, I just right. I worry about that in the industry a little bit. So I do encourage parents to always give their kids the responsibility of paying those entry fees if they want them to stay involved in the long run. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah, and I think that is just in general and. <laughs> pretty much not even just in rodeo, but, you know, responsibility of children or young, you know, kids these days, it's, it's dwindling. I mean, there's not a lot of it. And I think that's why, um, typically in, you know, like the Western culture, you see kids that are a lot more responsible, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just because they've, they've been given those responsibilities, whether it's, you know, they're 4-H and they're taking care of, you know, pigs or, you know, steers or whatever, um, you know, it may be, but, you know, that just having, having some responsibility and, um, you know, there's, (laughs) there's a lot that has changed even just, you know, like, uh, we've, while you and I've been talking, you know, I've lost power at the house again and we've been in and out of power for the last three days because of ice and, um, and yeah, it's been, it's been crazy, but you know, you think about, you know, (laughs) how fortunate we are just to have that, you know, I mean, you know, we're we're without it for three days and we're in complete panic mode. So we're, you know, there was a, there was a time when this was not a luxury, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, um, anyway, I always like to reflect back on that and just think about how far we've come and how much we have to be grateful for. And, and, uh, you know, that the sky's the limit. I mean, you, if, if you're dedicated and hardworking, you can achieve anything you want to, but it, it doesn't come without um, those two qualities. Yeah, lots of blood, sweat, and tears go into that. Yeah, for sure. Yes. I want to take a quick break during this awesome podcast with Emily Beisel to talk about the RodeoKids.com videos page. Are you looking for a new way to get inspired or to inspire your kids? Check out the videos page on RodeoKids.com. There you'll find all kinds of different videos, primarily of kids helping kids. Different drills, tips, and tricks for staying mentally sharp and keeping your horses sound. Products that other kids use. There's all kinds of neat stuff that they can learn from their peers and work to get better towards. So check it out on the RodeoKids.com backslash videos one page or you can just click on videos under the advancement tab on rodeokids.com. Now back to our podcast. So your husband is, is 
he's a physical fitness trainer's. Yeah, he mainly works oil field now, but he still does some training. How has that played a part in competitiveness and just your life in general? Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, because he, uh, you know, he's got so much knowledge in an area that I, to be totally honest, like I was completely clueless. (laughs) Um, You know, I played sports in junior high, and then when I got to high school rodeo, you know, I I was just spread pretty thin. Like, I was doing six events at the rodeos, and... And I went to a small school, so it was almost expected um, that you play ball. And I just couldn't. Um, you know, if I wanted to be good at what I truly cared about, there was no way that I could make it to practices and get home and mm-hmm. and put forth the effort I needed to in order to be competitive at the rodeos, too. And so I, I wasn't a super <laughs> athletic kid as far as that goes. You know, I didn't spend a lot of time in the gym. Um, you know, I never struggled with you know, being healthy or anything, but like, I didn't understand, you know, all the, the importance of some of that. And so, um, when I got down to Southwestern, um, coach Bisniski, you know, he had us do mandatory, like we had mandatory team workouts at Southwestern, which was always really funny to see how that went over. Cause there was a lot of kids that were like freaked out yeah. about having, uh, work, you know, to work out in, at, you know, college. Yeah. We and, definitely uh, did anyway, not do that went, at Southeastern. Yeah. But we did do that in Rangeley where I coached. Uh, so okay. that was really interesting at, from a coach's perspective to see how the how these rodeo kids who, you know, are cowboy tough and everything are coming into the gym and working out. And, oh, man, it was like pulling nails sometimes. Oh, absolutely. And it's because, you know, to them, like, practice, that's enough of a workout. You know, they've never had, like, you know, to actually do drills and lifts and anything like that. And so that was – Honestly, like, I really cherish um, that lesson that I learned, you know, in those two years. Because, like, I learned to track my macros and how important that is. Like, I had never, like, I mean, honestly, like, I'd taken nutrition classes. But, like, I'd never struggled with my weight or anything. So, like, this isn't that big a deal. Like, I eat whatever I want. Yeah. And, you know, so learning some of that, you know, and I'd I'd had a, um, a few issues here and there that I could never really figure out why my body felt the way it did. And when I started you know, learning about that and exercising and, and, and whatnot, I was like, wow, it's crazy how much better I feel and how much more energy I have. And, and so, you know, that I think plays such a huge role and Austin has been able to kind of tweak that to exactly what my body needs because actually for a female, um, I tend to put on muscle pretty easy compared Mm -hmm. to most other females. Typically like you know, if you're wanting to gain strength and muscle, you know, you've really got to um, up your calorie intake and, and, you know, a lot of protein and whatnot. And that is not the case for me. Like, it, it does not take much at all. <laughs> yeah. I, I can just change how I'm working out and, like, I gain muscle like crazy. But, you know, in the same sense, um, I, you know, that's also not ideal as a barrel racer, you know, where I'm supposed to be a jockey. And, you know, I try to be as lightweight as possible. Right. And so, you know, we've, we've kind of had to fiddle, you know, for the last couple of years really um, uh, change my workouts here and there from time to time just to try to keep me, you know, in the best physical condition I can be in but without being, you know, putting on an extra 10 or 15 pounds, you know, for my horse to carry. And, mm-hmm. and I know that seems crazy, but, man, when you are second – in a round at the NFR and you want to go back to that gold buckle ceremony and you, you miss it by a hundredth of a second, I promise you, you're thinking about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? I can you know? only imagine. So it does. It plays a factor. 
and um, you know, and he's he's been great. It's it, it's great to live a healthy lifestyle um, too with somebody. You know, like we, uh, and it, it's not that we don't ever live a little, but we we're pretty good about eating fairly healthy most of the time, and and we go to the gym together when we can, and um, so that makes it a lot of fun. That's something that him and I, you know, really do enjoy. Um, you know, each other's company whenever we get to do fun stuff like that. Oh, definitely. What a great way to spend time together. And while you're doing it, you're both benefiting from it in all aspects of your lives. I mean, yes, you, you're spending time together, but to be a better jockey, to feel better, to think better, to, I mean, every, there's nothing that you can say about working out besides sometimes it makes you a little sore that doesn't make your life better. Yeah, I, I always am asking, I'm like, why am I so sore right here? He's like, oh, it was this lift that you were doing or whatever. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I was like, may, may need to skip that one for a couple days. <laughs> <laughs> so how has that how has that helped your riding? Well, I think core strength for sure. I mean, I have a lot of people that always ask, they're like, how can you ride two-handed and do a leg lift and <laughs> set a barrel up? Or And I don't know. I just, I was like, I, I honestly, like, I, it's easy for me to do. It's not a complicated process. But I think that goes back to the fact that I have good balance and uh, good core strength. And so I'm able to sit, you know, square in my saddle when I'm doing it. And even if, you know, I'm only relying on, you know, one side because my other, you know, I've got my other leg lifted up or whatever. Like, it's not, um, it's not hard because the strength is there, you know. And so that's, that's the big thing that he helps me with is making sure that I have really, really good core strength. Yeah, um, and just the mind-body yeah. connection that you've developed, that if you do one thing, your mind, like if you le- lift your right leg, your mind has been trained through your exercises and things that you do to instinctively take over and keep you balanced in that saddle. But without doing those workouts and the, the level of intensity and stuff that you do, uh, you know, that's I do yoga all the time, but I still don't do things to the level that what I should and I know that I fault because of that but it does make a huge difference even so oh and I love yoga love it so I'm a little bit heartbroken we have a we used to have a studio here in town and I was you know and it just was one of those things I, I never thought I would do yoga so it took me a little while to get into it but when I did um I couldn't believe the difference it it helped me with because I I'm actually, you know, I'm not a very flexible person. Me um, either, girl. And so, <laughs> yeah, it was great. Yeah, well, and I think, honestly, I think rodeoing and stuff, we do get, you know, like when tying goats especially, mm-hmm. you know, like I didn't used to be this way, and then I tied goats. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I had a lot of injuries, and, you know, my my knees and my hamstrings are just not, um, the <laughs> they're not quite as healthy as they used to be, and it, it does cause some limited mobility. Um, which yoga is great at, um, at, you know, it, you know, increasing. I mean, it's, it's such an awesome, awesome way to work out. But that studio closed down, so I haven't got to do yoga for a couple months. And I've, I've noticed that, you know, there's now that I've just been, you know, doing more weights and, and whatnot, that I am, you know, I am losing a little bit of the mobility that I've gained through that. So mm-hmm. I'm going to have to um, kind of change it up a little bit because I don't, I don't want to, you know, alter anything too much, but it's, you know, there is, there's a fine balance. And I think that there's, you know, so many different ways you kind of have to just figure out what works best for you. But as long as you're being active, um, you know, your, your body will reward you for it. It is, um, to me, it's, it's great that whenever you can tie that all together and, and feel good and, and whatnot, it, you know, it, it shows up. 
Yeah, there's, um, I don't know if you have a smart TV, but we really like to do yoga with Adrian on YouTube. The, oh, really? Yeah, they're, it's yeah. super simple. She's fun. It's lighthearted. It's not, like, super intense, but it is just a great way. Like, she has them from 10-minute yoga sessions to an hour and a half. It's just kind of wow. whatever you want to do that day or what you have time for. Um, she's got hundreds of videos, and it's I, don't, okay. I started doing them probably four years ago, and it's just a great way to start the morning, and um, I always recommend yeah. that people do it because it's not – like that intense where you feel like a fool because you're not flexible, right. which people always forget that you don't have to be flexible to do yoga. You do yoga to gain flexibility. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I promise you, I, when I started out <laughs> that first class I went to, I was like, Oh my gosh, how did she even just do that? You yeah. know, but it was crazy, you know, just over a couple weeks, mm-hmm. how much mobility I gained. You know, I mean, I, I was a completely different person by the end of a month. Yeah. And anyway, it was, um, I, I really, it, that surprised me how much I, I gained and what a great benefit it was, um, you know, to add to my, you know, workouts. And so I did, I get, um, a couple days a week instead of doing weights or whatever, I would go do yoga instead. And it was, it was awesome. So that's, that's good to know. I don't have a smart TV, but if I have a good week at Arlington, maybe I will buy a smart TV. Yeah. And I will start doing yoga with Adrian. There you go. So Anything You can I, do it I on your phone or whatever you want yeah. to do. Yeah, I was going to say, I've got an iPad probably somewhere I could pull it up on and, and set it up. Um, because during, honestly, during quarantine, that's what um, the yoga studio we, we had, that's what she did. She was like, did this online mm-hmm. class and she'd come on and she'd do a, do a live um, workout with us. Yeah. And so that was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, you bet it is. What, um, what are some things that you do on the road? Like, do you exercise on the road, or are there things you do to stay mentally strong and sharp yourself? Yeah, on the, on the road, honestly, um, I love going and running through parks. And what's really nice about fairgrounds, um, you know, especially like in the summer, you know, the, the rodeo arena is typically not very far from the park. Um, I will, you know, go ahead and say, like, it. I used to do that a lot. I, I don't do that as much anymore just because of how crazy our world is yeah. right now. Um, you know, if I'm by myself, so I don't ever encourage anybody to go, you know, run by themselves in a town that they're unfamiliar with, um, just for safety issues. So typically if I'm by myself, I love to run stairs. Um, I know that's crazy. Oh my gosh. People don't like stairs, but I do. <laughs> I have a I am a stair running school, and so uh, I always enjoy different grandstands, going to you know, different arenas and challenging myself. I can tell you the grandstands at Rapid City at the outdoor arena. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness, that's so tall. <laughs> and, I, you know, by the time I ran, you know, I, I mean, did like 30 minutes of stairs, uh, I, I mean, it wore me smooth out, you know, and then yeah. you can always do abs and tricep dips and stuff off. I mean, you just got to be creative. Um mm-hmm. But that's, that's been, this year, like I said, you know, with some of the stuff that's um, happened, I, I've decided I probably shouldn't run by myself down roadways or to parks and stuff, but I do, uh, I'll stay in the fairgrounds, you know, around people that I know and yeah. and go run, you know, up in the, the grandstands and stuff, and uh, you can always go, you know, jog, even if you're just running circles around the horse barn, um, you know, I'll, I'll set my little Fitbit up or Apple Watch and and make sure, you know, I get a couple good miles in, and, and I love to do sprints, I mean, you just, I think that you have to, 
be really creative and, you know, and if you're driven enough, you'll figure out some way to, to do something. But, even, you know, mm-hmm. when we were in Rapid City for the Tour Finals, um, you know, I, one of my fellow barrel racers, uh, you know, she'd seen that I had went to the gym the last couple of days and she was like, hey, do you care if I go with you? And I was like, no, not at all. So she yeah. popped in and we went and got a really, we were at the gym for over two hours together and had a blast. Yeah. You know, and so it's fun when you can share that too with other people, and and um, you know, and it's a it's a good way to spend the day. Um, so some, you know, sometimes if you're camped out for a couple of days, you can, um, you know, it can get a little bit boring. And and I always, I'm not a TV person at all. I just don't watch TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and so instead of turning on a movie, um, I always am like, right, what can I do that <laughs> instead of laying around and, and watching TV, what can I do to, to make myself better today? Right. And, uh, well, and you, you have know, to so sometimes, fair. I mean, if you're going to, especially yeah. the miles that you guys are putting on trying to make the NFR and stuff, you can't sit in a truck all day driving Mm-mm. from one place to the next and then get out walk your horse around, put it in a stall, and then go watch movies all day and expect your performance to be top-notch? No, it's just not possible. Um, at least it's not possible for me. If somebody is capable of doing that, kudos to them. But I I, I just have to move. I, and we do. We, I mean, we sit on our bums driving, you know, a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, once I finally get parked somewhere, I was like, I've got to go do something, whether it's being a tourist or, you know something yeah I've got to get out and move because it's I I do I get so tired of, of sitting you know and that's especially that's the, the older we get pro rodeo and, yeah it is it gets, <laughs> gets redundant sitting there staring at the road mm-hmm. but um yeah you know it's always once once you get to the destination it's not so bad but <laughs> yeah getting there is, is a process well and I know the older I get I have got to stay physically active or else I just I become like a hunchback little old lady <laughs> <laughs> yes I know, and it does. Like, then you get tired, and you, yeah, it's just a domino yeah. effect, it's just a, and it's not a positive one. <laughs> right. What is one of your favorite experiences on the road that isn't rodeo-related, like something that wasn't in an arena, but that happened in a community or places you've gone or something along those lines? You know, we, a lot of times, we'll get to go do something fun, like go float the river or go hiking. Um, I love Utah. So Me too. that's typically something to do in Utah is, um, you know, or Estes Park, Colorado is really pretty too. Um, you know, we went, went and hiked there. And so, um, that is, that is definitely something I, I think that if you have time and a, you know, a day to kill, like go, go see something. Um, like I said, whether it's floating the river, you know, down the side of a mountain or whatever, or mm-hmm. river rafting or something adventurous. Um, I, I really try to take advantage of that kind of stuff. Um, well, yeah. it, you know, well, people travel just to that area just to go see that. And here we are, you know, we're there for another reason, you know, so it's just With nice time to, to kill. Make the time. Okay. What is one of the, one of the biggest challenges that you faced in this journey that you've been on? Um, gosh, I, you know, sometimes I think being away from home probably, uh, is tough. I mean, I know we get, we do get to go see a lot of really cool places, but, uh, you know, there are a lot of times that you are away from your family and you do miss family events, um, you know, weddings, um, you know, nieces and nephews being born, um, you know, birthdays, that kind of stuff. And so I, I, I do feel like that that's 
that's probably the hardest factor is to know that, you know, you're, you're not always able to be there for that. Um, you know, there were a lot of times this year, you know, uh, my stepson Rowan, he's uh, just getting old enough to, you know, he's five, just about six, and, and he started playing, like, flag football. And so trying to enter rodeos around the flag football schedule so I could make sure I could get home, oh, you know, yeah. to watch him play and stuff. You know, I drove all night from Rapid City to get home to watch him play um, his last football game because I, I was not going to miss it. Yeah. I know it's flag football and it's just five-year-olds, but still, <laughs> you know, like, that's, that's important. And so, um, you know, that, that's probably mentally the hardest part is wanting to be there you know, and, and knowing that if, hey, if I can win this rodeo, then I think I have enough money when I can go, go back home. And, um, you know, I've had to kind of learn to manage that a little bit just just because I do. I mean, I love spending time with my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love rodeoing too. But, you know, so then I get to put a little too much pressure on myself to, to win somewhere. And sometimes that doesn't really work out, you know, the way you want it to. And, and so you've got to remember, you know, just to – you know, simplify things, go do your job, um, you know, it'll, it'll take care of the rest. And then, and then whenever, you know, you're in a good position, then you can go home and be a part of, you know, that stuff. But it is, it is still my job, Yeah. Uh, you know, to try to make the finals. Mm-hmm. Well, and at least, you know, as you were talking about that, I was thinking, can you imagine what it would have been like 20 years ago before they had cell phones and FaceTime and Snapchat and memories that yeah. pop up on your phone 24 seven, like, going up and down the road then I mean when you missed out like you didn't just kind of miss out you completely missed out you weren't present you didn't you had to wait till you got home to hear about it and at least now we are fortunate that we do get to have the technology to see them opening their gifts through a snapchat or something funny or uh still kind of feel like we're a part of it at least yep yep exactly and so that's that is something definitely to be thankful for because, like, I mean, we FaceTime all, you know, yeah. <laughs> like crazy, you know, and mm-hmm. it even, um, you know, it just, I don't know, it just makes everything a lot, a lot easier, so. Definitely. That certainly has, yeah, that certainly has made it a lot easier to be away from home. It's, it's not the same, but it's a lot better than not even having right. that option. Yeah. Yeah. So you had four horses that got you to the NFR this year that you gave credit to on your Facebook post. How is it yep. riding four different horses? Yeah, I'm pretty fortunate. They're all great horses. They they have very different styles, but um, each one is unique. And honestly, they're uh, they kind of complement each other mm-hmm. in the sense that um, you know some are good on you know they really thrive on you know hard ground and or no walls and you know whatever. I mean, they just they all uh, have their strong suit, um, which is. Uh, you know, definitely beneficial when trying to strategize or, you know, be strategic on, on uh, you know, making a plan for um, which rodeos to go to and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But uh, may, I mainly rode Chongo, the great horse that I took to the NFR last year, um, and Bo, um, the bay horse. He's my youngest one. He's seven. And, um, you know, and Bo really got called upon this year. He, uh, he, he had to step up to the plate, and he did. Um, yeah, he you know, won. Really what did he just win? The reserve. Yeah, he, yeah, he was the Purina AQHA Reserve Horse of the Year. That's voted upon by our competitors, and um, I was blown away. I, I honestly, I didn't even nominate him myself. Um, 
another girl that I rodeo with messaged me and she said, you know, are you planning to nominate Bo? And I said, no, I, you know, I just, uh, and I think he's a great horse and I think he deserves the award, but you know, also like, I just, you know, I, I have a hard time, you know, I mean, everybody thinks that their horse is the best horse. Yeah. You know? And there's a lot so of good horses I, out there. Absolutely. And so when she, she kept pestering me about it, she was like, come on, I need you to get me that info. I'm going to, I'm going to nominate him. And I waited until like the last minute. And she finally was like, Emily, I'm telling you, I'm nominating your horse. Give me the info or I'll call AQHA and get it myself. <laughs> I was like, all right, so I'll get you the stuff. And so anyway, so then when they got the results back, you know, because I think so highly of all the horses that were even on that list. And mm-hmm. so for him to make the top three and win reserve, um, you know, and of course, uh, high valor of Donna K rules, uh, was able to win it back to back years. And it's so, he's so deserving. He's such an incredible horse. Um, they're such a fun team to watch. And so to be second behind him, just like, you know, cause I admire her and I admire that horse so much, yeah. you know, so that just made me feel really, really good about, um, you know, the showing that Bo had this year and he, he did, I mean, he earned his way to the finals. Like he didn't win it with big checks. Um, you know, by the time I really got to rodeoing, there were no really big rodeos left to win. You know, right. there wasn't a 23 or $24,000 check that you could win at San Antonio or Fort Worth or, you know, even $10,000 at Denver. I mean, it was just, you know, the rodeos were really, it was, you had to claw your way up, um, you know, from July on and, and, you know, and he did, he did it in some of the weirdest setups on some tricky ground and just really thrived. And so that was, that was so, so cool and special to get him um, voted in like that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just, just really neat. Um, that was probably my favorite part of the whole year. Yeah. <laughs> We're being totally honest. But, just um, listening to you, you know, talk it, about this last year and stuff and calling you right at the top, like, that's just gotta be kind of cool. Like when you look back on this year, like there's not going to be another year. Hope, I mean, Lord willing, there's yeah, not going to be another right. year like this year. But it's just neat to see, you know, we talked about, some friends and I were talking about making it to the finals this year and how, well, maybe it was easier because you didn't necessarily have to go to as many radios, but it had to be twice as hard because there were so many more people entered at them and they, it was so unscheduled and scattered and who knew what was happening when and it, it was just a knife fight. It was, and well, and people, what a lot of people didn't understand is usually we hit a cluster of rodeos when we choose an area to go rodeo at, you know, that maybe your furthest drive is like seven or eight hours, you know, you can go to one that's two or three here, four or five here, one or two here, you know, you can kind of stay in in an area, but this year with them being rescheduled, postponed, canceled, whatever, you know, I, I mean, over the 4th of July, I was in Prescott, Arizona, at midnight running my second round on July 1st and I was up in Roundup Montana at 9 a.m. Wow. on the 3rd. Yeah. Dang. I had to drive and it's like 18 hours, you know. And so, I mean, I got done with my second round and Chongo ended up winning the second round at Prescott and I gave him about three hours to cool down you know, rest a little bit, drink, eat, and then I had the horse's legs wrapped, and we stopped um, south of Salt Lake City, um, you know, about lunchtime the next day, um, and let him out for a couple hours, and that's why I always think, you know, if you can stop for a couple hours and, you know, let them stretch their legs, and that, that really helps them, and I took some lunch in the trailer, and then 
uh, we loaded on up and got to Cody, Wyoming that night and then and went on to round up the next morning at five. Um, wow. It was, yeah, it was pretty, pretty crazy. And which, but it, it was, you know, that was, I'm so glad we made that trip because I, I didn't really want to make it. I kind of just entered that rodeo as a backup plan and my dad was like, no, you need to go. Like, you know, you picked this, this was the rodeo you picked for Pipe Wrench. Um, over the 4th of July, and Piper and ended up winning it. And so, oh, it was worth I was so, it then. Yeah, it, was, it, it made it all worth it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, it was a long drive to get back, you know, and it worked because when I was in Roundup, I, you know, I was up in Cody, Wyoming that night, which was only two hours from there. Yeah. So I was able to hit those two in the same day. Um, but still, I mean, it was, <laughs> to get from Prescott up there was, oh my goodness, that was a haul, you know, and so um, as far as, that goes you know we just couldn't hit as many rodeos in a in a you know in a group uh closer together you were literally driving from one side of the united states to the other yes every weekend <laughs> yep yep and so yeah and that's it and on, on the fourth of july i took um Bo, chongo and piper and all three won money um i think i have a i decided to just uh get a three-horse trailer a couple years ago and so this year that didn't really work out that great because I had to leave Foxy <laughs> at home, um, yeah. and that's my little yellow mare that I rode her in the seventh round of the NFR last year, and and she she's so cool. But she I usually ride her kind of in the winter time and and whatnot. So she didn't get um, to go a whole lot this year with everything getting canceled in March and April and stuff. But mm-hmm. um, anyway, so yeah, I've, I've got those back to the horse question. I do. I'll have Piper and Foxy with me as well at the finals, but I, I do kind of plan on focusing on Chongo and Bo. Yeah. How do you choose, so. like, so you've got these four horses. How did you go about picking them? Um, or did well, they pick you? Think, <laughs> yeah, like, whenever I bought them or, like, yeah, trying yep, to decide when you're buying them. So, Piper and a five-year-old. Um, I really loved his older brother. Um, his, his older brother's name is Wolfie. And uh, Kylie had rode him, I think she rode him in the seventh round as well at the 2018 NFR. And um, anyway, I liked him. I went down and I and I rode Chongo at the time um, as well as Ty Brinch. And Chongo had had a little better, he had a, actually quite a bit better career as a maturity horse um, than Ty Brinch did. But, you know, and Ty Brinch never made bad runs. He just, you know, he was in front of a crowd and under the lights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that was literally the deal with that horse. He just wanted to be a rodeo horse. And um, so I bought him as a five-year-old July uh, 2015. And, uh, you know, he went on to win a bunch for me, um, you know, for the next couple of years. And uh, I'd always kept Chongo in the back of my mind. Um, you know, I just kind of, I was like, I really, I like that horse. I just, you know, there was something about Pipe Range that I, I just couldn't couldn't walk away from. That's why I chose him at that time. Um, and so then Pipe Range's younger sister is Foxy. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yep, they're full siblings. And that is actually my mom's idea. Oh. <laughs> yep, my mom, she was like, I think you need to buy his uh, younger sister. And I was like, I am not buying no mare. <laughs> <laughs> I like my geldings. And so this is the, she is the only horse that my parents have bought with me since high school. Um, but my mom and I are partners on her. Okay. She, she wanted to buy her. Um, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't want any part of a mare, and, and mom, she thought it was a good idea. So, um, anyway, we we bought her um, early on in her maturity career. I think she just turned four, 
Um, and I went ahead and left her with Kylie um, through like Fort Smith of her fraternity year, and and she she didn't have a great fraternity year. I think she won about ten thousand. It wasn't too bad, but she she did okay. And and then I just piddled with her at some rodeos here and there. And then uh, as a five year old, I cracked her out at Denver as her first pro rodeo, and um, you know, and she handled it great. And then the second pro rodeo I took her to, she won. Oh wow! And so, yeah, she's just always been so mature, and you know, and that that is a little bit of a difference typically in mares and geldings. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she she's always handled the road, and I knew like at Vegas that she would handle Vegas. Um, I actually had planned to ride her a lot more at Vegas, but I just Chongo was doing so well. It was I don't really know why you would switch. Hair. Yeah, why fix when ain't broken? Yeah. Right, exactly, and that that was what was hard. Is I really, really planned on alternating because she, I mean, she ran a thirteen nine there. It's not like she didn't make a really good run, and that was her first trip down the alley. Yeah, um, you know, so there's no telling what she could have ran if I'd have stayed on her as well. But, but anyway, so yeah, she's she's a full sibling um, to Pipe Branch, so I've got those two. And then in 2017, after I just missed the NFR with Pipe Branch, I ended up selling. I had a backup horse, um, and I sold him. And I wanted to find something to kind of replace that horse with um, before the next season. And I'd ask, um, you know, Renee Ward, uh, that's where I bought all these horses from, is the Yori Ward family. And I said, you know, is there a chance that Chongo is for sale? You know, because I kind of kept in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really liked that horse, you know, three years ago. And, and she said, I don't know, I'll try to find out. And she said, no, they don't want to sell him right now. The girls are still running him. But um, she said, I've got this this four-year-old gilding, I think that would fit you. And that's where Bo comes into play. Okay. And so, you know, Bo kind of had a similar, um, maturity year as Pipe Wrench did. You know, he was just kind of a younger immature gilding. He never did anything wrong, you know, but he wasn't a maturity standout. Um, you know, and that's what they, they said. They were like, just give him some time. Like this horse is going to make a rodeo horse. He's got all the tools and he's goofy, but he's going to make a rodeo horse if you'll give him time. And, um, Anyway, and, and they, the good thing is, I, I think the, I guess, I need to go back and preface this, but like, um, you know, I really trust them, mm-hmm. and I, I know that they know the style of horse that fits me, and, you know, they've been doing this for a very, very, very long time, you know, and so I'm really fortunate to have somebody like that in my corner that does know the horses, that does know me, that knows what it takes to rodeo, and understands you know, where I come into play and, and how to place those horses properly. Um, you know, that, that's a huge advantage because uh, it, it is easy. I, and a lot of people are like, I don't understand how you've been able to do this on four different horses like this in such a short amount of time. And I'm like, it's not been hard. You know, I mean, yeah. it, re- it really hasn't been. I'm, you know, I've just, I, they pretty well, they're stuck with me. I'm their redheaded stepchild, sister, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Like they, they, they've had to adopt me and take me in and help, help me get to this point, you know, with these horses and stuff. And so, uh, you know, I, I always encourage people if, you know, if you don't have, you know, a big family background or, you know, whatnot, like look for somebody who does look for somebody who can mentor you and kind of point you in the right direction and, and, you know, help you get to the, get to where you're wanting to go. Yeah. Um, that's great but, advice. You know, yeah. Well, it just, you know, it's, They've, they've been very instrumental in my pro rodeo career. I mean, without the horses, uh, you know, that I've, I've had, I mean, there's no way any of this would have been possible and, and, and their help and guidance. So, yeah. So anyway, yeah, that was in, yeah, that was December of 17. 
that I ended up buying Bo as a four-year-old. And then in January of 18, a month later, uh, the, the people that had Chongo decided they wanted to sell Chongo. So it just, bam, bam, bam. Yeah. <laughs> back to back, I ended up, yeah. And so that's how I accumulated all of them. But I, I always knew I wanted Chongo. I mean, I, you know, the day that I didn't um, choose him back in, back in July of 15, I, I just felt like, I was like, golly, that horse is just, he's special, you know, and he is special. I mean, he's, He's been a winner from day one, um, but it's, what's funny is he was probably the hardest horse for me to figure out. Really? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I very, very, very much so struggled with him in the beginning, and that's uh, something else I always encourage people to do. You know, like, I, I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure out why I couldn't get my timing with him, and we just, I mean, it was kind of a disaster, for being totally honest, <laughs> and uh yeah, so I went back and I rode with Kylie all the time. You know, Kylie's the one who trained him, and she's the one who maturity him. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I went back and spent a lot of time with her and, and got her advice, you know, on how to do things. And, you know, how do I tune him? How do I ride him? How do I cue him? And, you know, I'm still constantly working on that um, to try to be a better jockey for that horse. He, you know, he's got such a big stride. It's just enough different for me. It is... Um, something that I continually have to work on mm-hmm. but um anyway it's great to have that avenue and and to be able to go back and and go to the you know his foundation you know where he's comfortable and what he knows I think um, that's great well. advice too you know even just in the pony world um I, there's people who I, I've trained ponies or ridden ponies and you know they get them home and, and especially when you're dealing with kids and stuff who who are learning so much and, and about their bodies about their brains let alone riding in another animal who's got a brain and four legs and coming yeah. back to the person that that trained the pony or the horse or you know going back to the root and the foundation is so important and can be you can grow leaps and bounds by just even spending one day with that person or having your your trainer or your coach or whoever helps you call the person who started the horse and they might be able to tell you things that you just never would have guessed and there was no way for you to know so I always encourage people to to go back to the foundation as well there's just so much yeah. there it is, and that's it. You know, and I, I sometimes don't know if it's like a pride thing, if that's why people don't do it more often. But I'm like, you know, to me, like those horses, that's what they know, and that's that's what makes sense to them. And so if I'm trying to alter what they, you know, the whole, you know, phrase or whatever, you can't uh, teach an old dog new tricks. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a kind of kind of that way to me with horses. I mean, they know, they know how they were started and what worked for them, and I'm not saying. You can't put different jockeys on them that have success, but, like, if there's ever an issue or a miscommunication happening, like, it's, um, to me, it just seems silly not to try to, to go back to, you know, that foundation that they know and understand and what makes sense to them to try to try to figure out how to meet in the middle, Yeah, you know, and, yeah, for sure. and move forward from there. It's no different than if you're in a relationship and you're struggling. Usually, you're going to go back to the person's mom if it's really bad, yep. and you're going to say, um, yep, exactly. what's going on here? <laughs> Yeah, did I miss something, some childhood memory? Yes, what is causing this happened, problem? What's causing this? Yep, exactly, yep. exactly. Same with horses. And that's the thing, because mom and dad know them best. And to me, like the trainers, the colt starters, like those are the people that know these horses the best. Um, and listen know, they, to they them. Talk, if they tell you, yeah, if they tell you they're renegades, listen. <laughs> yep. I know. It's yeah, exactly. It uh, that's 
that to me is such such an important thing to to be able to do and in goodness it's it certainly helped me um with all four of mine you know since they've they've you know came through that program um Bo's the only one that they raised that Bill Kylie she works um for the guy that has raised you know Chongo Pipe Ranch and Foxy and so you know it's still essentially it's the same program mm-hmm. um you know I think they all have the same uh cult starter um you know and everything so all, all of that does uh, you know, it just, I don't know, it's part of how you, I think you get a horse to a winning level and you maintain it at that level. Yeah. So your horses are all fairly young right now. Yeah. Chan is the oldest. Yeah. So are you going to, are you planning on just sticking with these guys and continuing to rodeo or do you see this, uh, a different stage in your life coming soon? What's, what can we expect from Emily? <laughs> Um, you know, I always expect the unexpected, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I try not to plan too far ahead just yeah. because things like, you know, here, here is my planning ahead story. We get engaged in May of 2019, could have definitely pulled off a wedding by the end of 2019, but I was like, you know, I don't want any stress. Let's <laughs> give ourselves plenty of time. Let's have a wedding in October of 2020. Mm. And let me tell you, 2020, <laughs> talk about throwing me a curveball. Yeah. And just planning ahead, you know. And that's, that's something I've learned with life is, like, sometimes the best plans absolutely blow up in your face. Yeah. Um, you know, God willing, if these horses stay sound and I'm able to keep competing and whatnot, I, I plan to you know, continue this NFR train as long as I can. I think these horses are um, absolutely incredible. And, you know, you don't get these caliber horses in your barn, you know, every day, let alone four of them at once. Right. Um, you know, and so I, I do. I, You know, and Austin is very supportive in that, too. You know, he wants me to be able to, um, you know, to, to rodeo and, and live my dreams. So, you know, right now I'm probably just going to continue to just do the fill-in work as a hygienist and, you know, and rodeo and whatnot, but I, I mean, also the rodeo industry is changing, and, you know, next year's already kind of looking a little sketchy, you know, Denver canceling and Fort Worth canceling. Um, oh, I didn't know Denver you know, so canceled, I, too. Yeah, oh, yeah, no. so it's, yeah, that's heartbreaking for us, but that's our income, you know, I mean, yeah. that's our chance at, yeah, making a living at this, and so, you know, I'm just, <laughs> with the uncertainty and everything, I don't want to make any promises I can't keep it right now, like, you know, we're, we're just going to play it by ear. And, you know, I know that I've got some great horses and, yeah. um, I'm, I'm, I'm planning on, yeah, I'm planning on trying to rodeo, um, for, for quite a while. I think they've got a lot of good years left in them. Good. Well, I hope that you do great. You know, I, anytime that you know somebody that's doing well at the NFR, or that's doing well in general in rodeo, but that they make the NFR, you know, you're like, you're just rooting a little bit <laughs> extra for them. I, hey, I totally agree, and I appreciate that. I mean, it's, it is always fun, and it's it's neat to, you know, I don't, I mean, it's, at, the NFR is such an amazing experience. I, I wish everybody got to experience it, but it's, um, you know, it's just, oh, my goodness, there's just no words to describe, you know, getting there and, and the grand entry and looking up and seeing the people that, you know, you've grown up with or, you know, so, you know, whoever, if you college rodeoed with them and, and they're doing really well, you know, mm-hmm. at the finals too. I mean, it's just, um, gosh, it's, it's just, a, it's a lot of fun and it's what an awesome industry 
to be a part of because everybody there is really pulling for one another, yes. um, which is unique in itself. It's not typical in most sports. And so it's just, it's pretty cool. Um, and we're, we're pumped for Arlington, whatever it brings, like we're, we're going to enjoy the experience. I mean, there's no telling if that'll ever happen again in Arlington, but, yeah. um, you know, while, while we're there, we're going to live it up and, and try to have as much fun as we can. You bet. Okay, so we're almost done, but what is your favorite quote? Oh. Or one of my, them. Uh, my favorite quote, to finish first, first you must finish. And I have no idea if that is something my dad made up or if he learned it from somebody else, but you can appreciate this too, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I used to get through almost all of the poles and pole bending in high school, and I would take out that last pole every time and yeah you know my dad was just like Emily he said I know that you you thought you were making a 19 second run but it doesn't matter when you have a five second penalty (laughs) you have to complete you have to complete your run first you know and so um there's times I guess I'm guilty of you know if I've been having trouble at the first barrel and I I finally turn the first barrel really good I celebrate and then I hit the second barrel. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, so that, that quote to me is like, hey, do your job. You, you got to do your whole job, not just part of it, your whole job, and then you can celebrate. Yeah. Um, Don't celebrate until you cross really the finish line. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great one. I, I have not heard that. You know, I've heard different things that are similar to that, but that's simple, and that's one that's going to stick. I like it. Yeah. Are you a book reader at all? Um, I, I do listen to, um, Audible a lot okay. of times whenever I'm driving. Yeah. Um, yeah, to me, I, some, I'd re- almost rather listen to that than, uh, the radio. <laughs> yeah. What, uh, books do you, what, what's your favorite book? You know, um, I'm actually listening to it again. Um, it's Extreme Ownership. I think it's something that pretty much every millennial needs to listen to. Um, just because I think a lot of times, uh, you know, we have been, I guess, I don't know, taught, uh, the opportunity presented itself. I don't know what, but it's very easy to place blame on others versus holding ourselves accountable for something that we could have done different to, um, uh, prevent the issue or be better or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I mean, it's, it's a book, um, I think it's written by, uh, Navy Seals, I believe. And anyway, it's just. Um, I mean, I, I just can't get enough of it. It's a, it's just a really good book and it, it makes me take a step back and, you know, and instead of being like, well, if the ground wouldn't have done this, I'm like, Hey, if I would have put my horse in the right position and, you know, done this right, I wouldn't have been in that situation to begin with, no matter what the ground was like, mm-hmm. That's you know, huge. and that's, it's just, yeah, it's just a different perspective of, you know, being able to hold yourself accountable for, for sometimes things not going the way that they're supposed to go. Um, you know, and I, I, I like to listen to those kind of books. Yeah. Um, I'm a self-help that, junkie. That yeah, no, it's, that's a really, that's one of my favorites. So. Yeah. And I'm, I, like I said, I'm listening to it again. I always like to listen to that kind of stuff, preparing for, you know, the NFR and that, you know, just kind of get my game face on too. Um, I think that, that helps keep you mentally strong. Yes, for sure. And I think books, I don't know, like I said, I'm a self-help junkie and I'm kind of a nerd. So I read books, listen to audibles and listen to podcasts and all that good stuff. But um, it it does 
give you a frame of mind and it helps you think clearly and um, you know the more education you can get the the better off you'll be in the long run Yes, exactly. Okay, so the last thing is just what what would you like to leave people with? Some what's one message that if you could send to the world, what would you want to send? Well, I you know I, I feel like um, I am not your typical person in this industry. Um, you know, I I'm just not. I don't come from a rodeo family, um, and I you know I do other you know I'm I'm a hygienist. Um, you know, I married somebody that's not a road, you know, a cowboy, um, not from the horse industry either. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that I do that aren't typical for, um, you know, or, or normal, um, for, you know, the, the rodeo, uh, family. And I guess my point is there is that, you know, uh, you, you can do anything that you set your mind to. And if you surround yourself with really, really good, really supportive people, um, you know, you don't have to be the norm. You know, you you can um, pave the way yourself uh, if you'd like. You know, if if you're willing and, and dedicated enough to, and, you know, people in this, um, in the Western industry, or they're just, they're willing to help if you're willing to ask. You know, never be too proud and, and know that, that you're able to accomplish it if, um, you know, if it's something that you want to do. I love it. That's awesome advice. And thank you so much for taking the time today. Um, we wish you the very best luck at the NFR this year. We will definitely be rooting for you. And hopefully we'll get to go. I haven't decided yet if I'm going to make the trip or not. But um, sure. I certainly do hope you do well. And, yeah, we're rooting for you. So good luck and uh, safe travels. Thank you. Yep. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. You bet. Have a great day. You too. Right. Bye. Bye.